Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano. Eagles, wild turkey, and golfers. Paul Carter certainly has an interesting perspective. Paul is the superintendent at Bear Trace at Harrison Bay outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. We figured with Earth Day approaching, Paul would be the perfect guest to have on the podcast to discuss some of the wildlife and environmental programs he's been able to implement on the golf course. Paul is a wonderful representative of the golf industry who has spoken at a number of national and regional events. So we know that you're going to enjoy hearing some of the things he's been able to do on the golf course, and we know that you're going to learn a thing or two from Paul. Well, Paul, thank you so much for taking some time to join us. It's awesome to have you on the podcast. I think the first thing I got to ask you is you're in a pretty unique situation. You get to wake up and go to work at a state park every day. What is that experience like? Uh, going to work at a state park is uh, a great experience. Uh, it is for me personally and professionally different than other golf courses that I've worked at before where you're in a community and there's housing development or um, running alongside of a major interstate or anything like that you know our our golf course is uh, on the property of harrison bay state park so it's outside of chattanooga tennessee it's about uh, 20 minutes from downtown and we are uh, sitting on 650 acres of land that was deemed to the golf course from the park property and we maintain about 125 of that so we have a lot of areas that uh that are native grass and wooded. Uh, it's a great habitat for all of our wildlife. There are no homes on our property, so we don't have to listen to neighbors' dogs barking or garage doors going up and down or stereos or anything like that. Um, there's no main roads running through it, so it's a, it's a great opportunity to um, get to a place and get away from the hustle and bustle of the day and just uh, reconnect with nature and, and have a great time. So it's, it's a great place to work. How does the golf course fit into the greater mission of the state park system? Well, state parks in Tennessee are operated by the Department of Environment and Conservation, and they're a great group to work for. And uh, so our main mission with uh, TDEC is to um, – protect the environment and conserve natural resources and that's what we try to do at Harrison Bay whether it be with uh, our native grass areas which are saving water um, our electric equipment initiative our uh, wildlife initiatives that we have with birdhouses and nesting boxes and that kind of thing so we get a ton of support from our um, management upper management in Nashville they are, like I say, extremely supportive of every little project that we want to do that's environmental. Uh, they promote us greatly in, uh, in all different types of, of aspects. So it's, it's a blessing to work for them and to, and to work for the state. What are your daily tours and walks around the golf course like, and what are some things you would encounter during those tours? Well, uh, you know, basic tour at, a, at our golf course, you can see anything from uh, white-tailed deer to uh, bald eagles to red-tailed hawks, um, all types of, of birds. Uh, of course, we've got raccoons and all that good stuff. And um, Like I said before, it's just great to get out into, uh, into nature. You never know what you're going to see, and that's the fun part of it. 
Uh, it's great going out in the morning, taking that first ride before any of the golfers get there. The sun's coming up. Um, the, I guess the what we call the residents, our wildlife on the golf course, they're waking up and getting moving around. And you get to see some uh, some new fawns every now and then, and they don't really know what to think of us. <laughs> so they just kind of stand there and look. And so it's it's great. Um, we we have a policy or a I guess a um, a mindset at Harrison Bay that you know we do 50% of our work is golf course related in maintenance and mowing and cultural practices and and then 50% is in wildlife preservation and we take that very seriously. Um, every decision that we make toward our golf course has that in mind. You know what is what is a maintenance or a fertility application or a chemical application or anything along that lines? How is it going to affect the wildlife? Uh, how is it going to affect, affect the environment? And uh, we realize that we're just there to play golf and have fun and get to enjoy the golf course, but the wildlife call the, the property home, and when we leave, they're still there. So we have to take that into account. Did you realize it was going to be that type of 50-50 split when you got into the job, or did it evolve to that point over the years? Oh, for me, it's evolved over the years. I've been in the business for 25 years, started at uh, Birmingham, uh, the country club of Birmingham in 1992 is when I did my internship. And gosh, back in those days, it was uh, it was green wall to wall. We fly mowed creek banks, and, you know, it was unreal the amount of of acreage that was highly maintained um and that's changed over the years as the mindset of the industry and of golfers has changed and it's also had a great uh, great deal to do with the amount of resources that we're able to have now we can't at least in my golf course we don't have the manpower to go out and mow 600 acres of property and have it you know perfectly manicured at all times so we have to we have to see where we can uh, can save money and use our resources um, the best, whether it be manpower or uh, equipment or uh, water and fertilizer. So, no, it's it's evolved over the years, and uh, the more that we've gotten involved in wildlife projects, the more fun we have with them, and the more it's uh, I guess it's accepted and uh, almost expected of our golf course that we're going to do things like that. Have you personally always had an interest in wildlife and preserving wildlife on a golf course? Was that something that kind of got you into the business? No, not really. I'm not a not really an outdoors kind of person, personally. I don't uh, hunt or fish or go hiking or anything like that. Um, it really just kind of uh, fell in place. We started, uh, uh, we were, the golf course was originally constructed by a management company out of Texas. The process was that they were going to build golf courses on State Park property, and that was going to kind of you know, be a tourism draw, having Jack Nicklaus signature golf courses. Uh, I guess that partnership fell through back in 2005, and the state of Tennessee took us over, and we became state of Tennessee employees. And so the mindset really changed during that time from – when I started at Harrison Bay in 2001, it was, you know, green grass everywhere. Everything has to be manicured. Um, you know, we ran irrigation to 
every um, every stretch of the golf course that we could. We spent tons of money and resources and all this. And then when the state came in, they were like, okay, we don't have those resources, and we don't want to spend our money on growing grass way out in the roughs. How can we save money? So we reduced our our mowing and our resources and our fertilizer applications, and we took out over 50 acres of highly maintained turf and allowed those areas just to go back to native grasses. Of course, that saved us right at about 7.39 million gallons of water in a year that we're not uh, applying to our to our golf course. Uh, that's not including all the fertilizer and chemicals and diesel fuel and manpower that were that were being spent on those areas. What did that do to the rise of wildlife on your course when the decision was made to go that route and provide more native areas? Did that increase the volume of wildlife that you were seeing on a daily basis? Oh yeah. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, it wasn't instantaneous, but over the years, just having those movement corridors through the through the golf course that weren't there before, uh, nesting and brooding habitats for uh, for the wildlife and the birds. You know, I think we started seeing probably in uh, probably about 2007, 2008, we started seeing wild turkey on the golf course for the first time that we'd ever had, and that was just a uh, that was a, a I guess um, a byproduct of some development in our area that was pushing them out of their natural habitat and the increase in habitat that we were providing out at the golf course. Yeah, it's definitely been been an increase. You know, of course, then 2010 we got a got our visit from our bald eagles the first time, and I always tell people, you know. It's, if the Eagles didn't feel like it was safe to raise a family at our golf course and that it wasn't a good environmental habitat for them, that they wouldn't be there. And they've been there ever since. So I think that's a testament to everything that we're doing there. How did you educate yourself on the wildlife and environment? What were some steps you took as a superintendent to learn more about what you were seeing? I really just started watching what was going on around our course and asking some of my mentors in the business, like with our wild turkey, when they started coming on the golf course, I called David Stone, who was over at the honors course here in Ottawa. Uh, he's always had uh, success with, with turkeys and uh, big birder, and so you just have to call around and ask people. Uh, being involved with Audubon International is a, a great resource for us and the information we can gather there. Um, the Environmental Institute of Golf from GCSAA, there's lots of information there. So it's really just going out and researching what you want to have on your golf course, whether it's bluebirds, mallard ducks, wood ducks, and what works in your environment. How do you find time to promote these initiatives and do your wildlife and environmental work with maintaining the golf course on limited resources? How do you, how do you juggle those two missions what are some strategies you use it's really not a struggle i mean they kind of go hand in hand uh at least for us they do it doesn't take a lot of time to put up a bluebird house or to maintain a wood duck box Uh, there's always rainy days on a golf course that you can do things like this so it's really not a not a a big time commitment um you've got to have a passion for it luckily i've got the i've got the support of my 
supervisors in Nashville and the, the supervisors that I have at the golf course. But the big thing I've got is support from my employees and my agronomy staff. They are well bought into our environmental programs and practices. They've come up with several uh, projects that we've done on the golf course. So it's uh, it's not a commitment that we do separately from the maintenance of the golf course. I think it's a partnership, and it all works together. Paul, if a colleague came up to you and said, hey, I want to promote wildlife on my golf course or increase the amount of wildlife that I'm seeing, what, what guidance would you give? If you were in that ro- role where you get to mentor someone, what would you tell them about some of the things you've done? You know, guys, I've had that question before, and uh, I always tell people to start small. You'll get comments from people, well, that's great. You know, um, they hear what we've done and all the projects that we have going on, and like, Man, that's great, but I couldn't get away with all that. Well, I mean, it doesn't take that much. A couple of bluebird houses around a golf course, mallard duck nesting tube, uh, some native grass areas. Average golf course is, what, 100 to 125 acres that's maintained? There's got to be somewhere on every single golf course, I don't care where you're at, where you can give up a half acre to a uh, pollinator program or put up some wood duck boxes or um, bluebird houses or whatever the birds are that are in your area that that need some help and just start small. Don't try to get a big project together and get everybody on board. Get your, get your ownership, your greens committees, your pros, uh, everybody on board and make it fun. That's the big thing. It's not supposed to add to your work. Um, doing environmental work. It's not supposed to be a cumbersome project supposed to be fun and once you get involved in it start um, doing little projects and seeing the the results of them the wildlife coming out the new uh, fawns coming the birds uh, getting hatched and all the the results are the uh, proof is in the pudding kind of thing maybe I'm a little bit different but every time I play golf in the southeast and I see a bird that I can't see back home I get excited or if I see an alligator that's kind of the memory of my round I remember that more than any of the shots I hit or conversations that I had how is increased wildlife improved golfer satisfaction what type of response do you get from the customers I think a lot of them enjoy seeing the wildlife out there it's not something that you're going to see on just uh, every golf course probably could if uh, say they were managed a little differently but being on state park property like we are, um, not having any homes, not having any roads, it's just a really good environment and almost a sanctuary for them. So whether you've got uh, turkeys out sparring in the in the fall or uh, all fluffed up and you know big blue heads on them, or you see the deer walking through, you see the the bald eagles flying overhead, it gives you a I guess a sense that. You know, you're you're out there, you're you're alone on a golf course, and the world is around you. How important is it to promote the efforts that you're doing? I think environmental promotion on a golf course is extremely important. Uh, for years, golf courses have been labeled as resource wasters and water polluters, and you know we're pumping the atmosphere full of, full of 
chemicals and exhaust, and it's just, you know, we're the, we're the worst things in the world. So to be able to go out into the industry, to go out into public, whether it be a local um, civic group or a school or just a newspaper in town, and to be able to tell them all the good things that we're doing on our golf course for protecting the environment and saving natural resources, I think it's very important. I think it's something that every golf course superintendent should do. They should um, seek out opportunities to do that in their in their region, nationally, even internationally. You didn't have the easiest start to the year. You lost one of your eagles. What were the emotions of that like, and what memories do you have of Eloise? Oh, well, losing Eloise was tough. It was it was tough um, emotionally, personally. You start to um, put um, human emotions with the animals that are out there, and I guess that's one of the things with having the Harrison Bay Eagle Cam. It, you know, it's brought us a lot of attention, a lot of notoriety, uh, but it also, you know, it is a a live streaming camera of nature, and things happen. Um, granted, the the injuries that happened to Eloise were were not natural, but that's one of the things that you know that happens in this world. But Eloise was the you know she was the anchor, the cornerstone of the project. Uh, she'd been there since uh, 2010 with Elliot. They had built the nest, and we had watched them. They'd raised uh, 12 eaglets and hatched them uh, and had them fledged. So. It was it was rough, and it's it's affected the the nest over time. I mean, we're still still don't have e- uh, eggs on the nest, and it's pretty much late. I don't think we're going to have any this year, but you never know. We have a, we've actually had five different females visit the nest, um, so they're out there. We've got uh, one that we've just kind of monikered F four right now. We're not going to give her a name until she actually sits down on the on the nest, which she hasn't yet. So, uh, so we're just uh, waiting around. But yeah, it's a uh, it was rough, it was rough on everybody. But you know, as, as bad as it was to to find her and to take her up to UT Vet Center and then to have them tell us that she she didn't survive, it was much better than she just being gone and you know, never knowing what happened. So at least we had some closure in that matter. How fascinating are Eagles? I mean, you've spent a lot of time over the last eight years watching them and monitoring them. How how interesting has it been having them on your property? Oh, it's tremendously interesting. Um, I'm always amazed when you see them. They come into the nest with with food, be fish, turtle, coot, whatever, and to watch them just rip it apart with, you know, razor-sharp talons and razor-sharp beak, and they just devour it. And then to watch them when, they're, when they have eggs, and they turn those in the middle of the night, complete darkness. Um, they never crack them, never damage them. Um, you know, they, they curl their talons up so that they won't even have the risk of, of cracking the egg or scratching it or anything and then to see them feed their eaglets when they hatch and it's just so so tender and so uh just precise 
and you know that, well, that, that eagle could just rip you apart, but yet it can tenderly and lovingly take care of its eaglets. It's amazing. It's what, that's one of the things that the eagle cam was, was designed for, to be able to see nature in its rawest, and that's what it is, good and bad. What's been the most unusual thing you've seen on the golf course in your last uh, almost two decades working there? And I'm talking um, wildlife, not not people-wise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the wildest thing that I've seen wildlife-wise was a, um, it was on 18 one day, about the middle of the day, and um, Mother Turkey was taking a, or a group of poults across uh, the fairway, and out of nowhere, this red-tailed hawk came and just tackled the last one in the in the group. And, of course, you know, made lunch out of it. And the rest of them just ran off in the woods. And I'm like, yeah, it's just circle of life, I guess. So, um, gosh, we've seen that. Um, of course, the eagles are, definitely have to be one of the, the best things to be able to see them. You know, back in, uh, gosh, what was it, 2014 or 15 when uh, HB5, which was one of our eaglets, it decided to fledge early and wasn't quite ready. And it fell uh, fell out of the tree and injured itself, and we captured it and took it up to the University of Tennessee Medical uh, Veterinary Medical Center, and they they um, X-rayed it, and it didn't have any broken bones, but it had a lot of cuts on one of its wings. Then they took it over to the American Eagle Foundation at Dollywood, and they rehabbed it. And then when it was uh, healthy enough, they brought it back down to the golf course to release it back in its natural habitat, and that was. That was probably one of the best days I've ever had on a golf course to see that eagle. Had my wife and daughter out there, and for them to be able to, you know, just be up close to a bald eagle. And then when uh, Al Cicery, the president of the American Eagle Foundation, when he released it back up in the air and it flew right up to its perch where its parents had stayed, and then. You know, as the moments went on, HB6 came and rejoined it, and then a couple hours later, Elliot and Eloise rejoined it. And just to see it back in its natural habitat where it was supposed to be, um, I always tell people that that's the greatest day I've ever had on a golf course. Your course and yourself are obviously not complacent in any way. What do you have planned for 2018? What are some new programs or ideas you're trying to implement this year well yeah we, we try to push the envelope a little bit and try new things out and uh, this year we are going to um, do a reclamation project with bob white quail uh, they have uh, been pushed out of their environment over the years and so the population in tennessee has uh, it's, it's all down by about 85 to 90 percent due to uh you know, subdivisions being built, farmland being lost, um, fields being cut out. So we have a really good opportunity and a unique habitat on our golf course with all of our native grass areas to uh, start this. So one of my uh, crew members, uh, Bill Green, he uh, came up with the idea and came up with the the program. And uh, so we are going to put out uh, two 100-count cubbies of Bob White Quail here and probably right before Earth Day, I think, so is the plan. 
and uh, we're going to see what happens. Hopefully we can get a, uh, a nice stand of quail on the golf course, which will be nice to see. Paul, what's been the most fulfilling thing about this journey for you at Harrison Bay? I think when you look back, I got to Harrison Bay in 2001, and it was not uh, it was not what I would consider a, a good golf course. Um, had bent grass greens, had fescue in the fair, in the roughs. Uh, it was uh, it was not not somewhere I would want to go play, much less pay a lot of money for. And we have worked diligently every year um, to change the the culture and the, the grasses on the golf course. We now have champion old course Bermuda grass on our greens. Uh, 419 Bermuda grass everywhere, wall to wall. So I think that's the big thing when you look back at the where we started to where we're at now. It's basically a complete transformation of of the golf course. We um, were known as a as a good golf course. So I think that's one of the most fulfilling things that we've done. And lastly, what's considered success for your facility? Uh, success for our facility. I think if everybody enjoys the golf course and realizes that it's not uh, it's not a country club and we're going to have some rough areas, um, as long as people enjoy coming out there and they return, they get to experience a little bit of the wildlife that are on the course and understand that there are many different types of golf courses that are that are available to play, whether it be a, um, a country club atmosphere or a state park golf course. They're all out there, and there's uh, something for everybody. Well, Paul, I can speak for a lot of people here. Thanks a lot for everything that you do for the, the golf industry. I know we're especially appreciative of everything you've done for GCI, and it was wonderful having you on the podcast. So keep up the uh, great work, and I know we will catch up with you again soon. Well, Guy, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, to talk about our course, and I appreciate everything that the Golf Course Industry Magazine has done for me over over the years. Anytime, it's been my pleasure.